Peace to you. Welcome to The Naked Truth. We are in the book of First Kings. We've made it to chapter 6, if you want to read along with me. Let's begin with verse 1. And it came to pass in the fourth, I'm sorry, in the 480th year after the children of Israel had come out of the land of Egypt, in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel, in the, four, in the month of Ziv, which is the second month that he began to build the house of the Lord. So that this chat verse is saying a whole lot. It's letting us know how much time has passed since the 400 plus years that the people were in, uh, in, in Africa. And for that 400 and about 20 years, if I remember right, um, when they were in Africa, part of that time when they were in Egypt, they were enslaved. They weren't free the whole time. Um, and then they were eventually emancipated and that's what happened, what we read about in the book of Exodus, the second book in the Bible. So now we've made it further along. It's letting us know almost five centuries have gone by. So um, that seems that's interesting. Hundreds of years have passed by in those few books that we've read um, between uh, those points. The next thing would be um, now Solomon, King David, David and Goliath, David, his son is the king now, and he's already been in power four years. He's also got grown kids at this point also. So do we have an idea how old, or at least, uh, what age at least that he is? He's at least, I would think, 30 years old at the very least to have grown kids already. Um, but um, then the other thing is the month of Ziv. So it's saying that's the second month. Um, it's not going by obviously the is it Julian cal calendar. Um, it's not going by the calendar we use now. Um, so Ziv is obviously a Hebrew name for the months, and it doesn't align with the months as we have them uh, in modern times. It instead, it if I remember right, it goes it revolves around or it's centered on the um, Passover and that basically being the start of the year for the people. So, um, and that fluctuates. That's not always uh, at the same time. It moves. It's not a set date. Um, all that being said, that's where we are in the story. Um, and then I guess the last thing would be about who is being uh, addressed as or uh, as the Lord in this verse. Um, it's uh, back to Jehovah in this um, in this verse so far. Um, and if you've read with me before, you know that's not consistent. Um, and we aren't even halfway through the Bible. So anyway, verse 2. Now the house which King Solomon built for the Lord, its length was 60 cubits, its width 20, and its height 30 cubits. So cubits is the um, unit of measurement. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's based on the um, general length of a man, um, forearm, from basically from the elbow to the middle finger, that length, something like two feet, but not exactly, because everyone's limbs are different lengths, um, but somewhere around that, this, that um, length. So it gives us an idea of the size of the, um, the house, which um, King Solomon has had built. Verse 3, the vestibule in front of the sanctuary of the house was 20 cubits long across the width of the house 
and the width of the vestibule, vestibule extended 10 cubits from the front of the house. So when we get into these different measurements, and it looks like that might be what this chapter is mostly about, I'm just going to read on through them. Um, because if you want, you can always do a search and see. There have been people who have drawn up basically like diagrams or sort of like blueprints of the different measurements and um, and um, of what's mentioned here as what's being uh, the house. And it's saying house, but it's actually talking about a house of worship, I believe. It's talking about basically a temple. Um, yeah, the temple, not his own personal residence. Um, let me see. So let's just read through some of these um, these um, measurements and stuff. Because, I mean, it, what are they really adding to us other than giving us the dimensions? So this, let's go on. Verse 3. The vestibule, vestibule in front of the sanctuary of the house was 20 cubits long across the width. Okay, so um, I think we just read that already. Of the house and the width of the vestibule. It extended 10 cubits from the front of the house, and he made for the house windows with beveled frames. So um, it's going into the different design aspects of the uh, house of worship, the temple. It's five against the wall of the temple. He built chambers all around against the walls of the temple, all around the sanctuary and the inner sanctuary. Thus, he made side chambers all around it. So this may, one other thing just came to mind, um, these different little spots and nooks and crannies in the temple. Let's not forget what the temple uh, was used for. And sometimes it's not just for the animal sacrifices, you know, slaughtering and butchering them, preparing them for the barbecue or the, the burnt offering, as it's called. Some, in some cases, some of these little areas in the temple were used for, um, sexual rites, rituals, where they have sex with, or at least sex would go on between temple, prosti temple prostitutes, male and female, by the way. Um, the Kedeshim are the name plural for the male prostitutes who would be used for the different rituals inside the temple. So before you think all of this stuff is so righteous and holy, remember it's humans, it's people who built it. Much like most, uh, most of the Bible, they're words of people, words of men. They're not words of God, even though the, the whole book is called the Word of God. It's easy to see. All of this stuff is clearly not from God. Um, but, um, you know, just as a footnote, verse 5. Um, against the wall of the temple, he built chambers all around. So we read that one. Verse 6, the lowest chamber was five cubits wide, the middle was six cubits wide, and the third was seven cubits wide, for he made narrow ledges around the outside of the temple so that the support beams would not be fastened into the walls of the temple. Verse 7, and the temple, when it was built, when it was being built, was built with stone finished at the quarry, so then no hammer or chisel or any iron tool was heard in the temple while it was being built. So um, it's saying all of the construction, basically the loud construction was taking place outside of the temple and presumably, I guess, moved to its place within the temple. Verse 8, the doorway for the middle story was on the right side of the temple. They went up by stairs to the middle story and from the middle to the third. So now you have the stairways laid out. 
verse 9. So he built the temple and finished it, and he paneled the temple with beams and boards of cedar. So now the temple is built, the stone part of it, the heavy-duty rock part, and now the paneling wooden part um, is has been installed. Verse 10, and he built side chambers against the entire temple, each five, each five cubits high. They were attached to the temple with cedar beams. So more of those side chambers. Verse 11, then the word of the Lord came to Solomon, saying, so now, it, Solomon is having an interaction, a word from the Lord. And as we've said again and again, uh, these different conversations and interactions and even wrestling with and eating with the Lord, um, it contradicts what we read in the New Testament. The book of John chapter 1, for instance, um, it tells us that no one's seen God or heard God's voice at any time. We hear in the Gospels, throughout the Gospels. Um, so it contradicts this. So when it's saying the word of the Lord came to him, maybe it's like in some sort of vision, um, something like that in a dream. Um, but actually hearing a conversation, talking, sitting down with it, talking with the Lord, it's inconsistent with what we read later in the Bible. But since we're here, we're just reading it because it's what it says. Verse 12 is the word he got from the Lord, Solomon. Verse 12, concerning this temple which you're building, if you walk in my statutes, execute my judgments, keep all my commandments and walk in them, then I will perform my word with you, which I spoke to your father, David. So now Solomon is being uh, offered a contingency uh, contract, being told that if he's consistent and uh, with the contract that uh, he's being told what to do, how to do it, when to do it and so forth, then he'll have the presence of the Lord with him consistently and faithfully and keeping all the judgments and commandments um and he's saying which he spoke to your father david so um king david also has some interactions that are inconsistent with other parts of the bible also but it is how they read so that's why we're reading it verse 13 and i will dwell among the children of israel and will not forsake my people israel so now uh, the Solomon is being told, as long as you're with me, I'll be with you. If you're faithful to me, I'll be faithful to you and all of the people. Verse 14, so Solomon built the temple and finished it. Um, so Solomon completed the work on the temple and got it done. One other thing about the agreement, it seems to me that maybe it is, um, whether you want to believe it's from God, the Lord Almighty or not, seems to me the narrator because uh, that's who's speaking in for four, in verse 14 is letting us know that where we're at to this point seems to me maybe the narrator is adding their points in there like they did in previous books of the bible to sort of justify and explain away why the people ended up falling into dire straits usually because of unfaithfulness would be the the reason that the narrator would give so it seems to me maybe this is laying the groundwork, not just for the temple, but for why the people fell out of favor with the entity they're worshiping, because they didn't remain faithful to these different, um, the contract that's being laid out here. Just an idea. Verse 15, and he built the inside walls of the temple with cedar boards from the floor of the temple to the ceiling. He paneled the inside with wood and he covered the floor of the temple with planks of cypress. So now the woodwork is being laid out in the temple. 
verse 16. Then he built the 20 cubit, then he built the 20 cubit room at the rear of the temple from floor to ceiling with cedar boards. He built it inside as the inner sanctuary as the most holy place. So um, that that part now that he's built here is sort of like the holy of holies. Just like when the people were dwelling in tents and moving through the wilderness, they built one giant tent as this, um, since there was no temple at that point, a giant tent and called it the um, tabernacle of meeting. I think it was what it was called, if I recall. Um, and that there was a portion of it uh, behind a veil within the, the tent that was reserved as the Holy of Holies, the part where no one was allowed to go into except certain people, usually Moses, sometimes Aaron. Uh, and here and there, the high priest could get close to it. But for the most part, everyone else was uh, excluded from even getting near it. Um, but that's what's being built here now. Instead of in a tent behind curtains, instead it's an actual solid paneled room. Verse 16, or area anyway. Then he built the 20 cubit room at the rear of the temple. Did we just read that? We did. Sorry. Verse 17. And in front of it, the temple sanctuary was 40 cubits long. So now you get a better idea of like how churches, holy places, places of worship are laid out. There's a large area for congregation to meet basically where the pews are and then there's a smaller area often in the back where the authorities the religious leaders meet uh, that's more exclusive that the common people aren't generally uh, allowed to get to uh, verse 18 the inside of the temple was cedar carved with ornamental buds and open flowers all was cedar there was no stone to be seen so um, the stonework is hidden by the woodworking that's being put up. Uh, and that verse reminds me, we're moving through these verses because they're like this, uh, but there's going to be a part, God willing, we get to that part um, when we get to it, how it gets uh, kind of tedious reading about the different ornaments and the different things that are made for it. it we're here now, though, so we'll just stick to this. Verse 19, he prepared the inner sanctuary inside the temple, set the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord there. So the area for the Ark is being prepared and set up now. And we've read about the Ark already. It's, if you've seen the Raiders of the Lost, Lost Ark, it's the same reference. It's um, basically a chest that contains the uh, jar of manna. Aaron, that's Moses' brother, Aaron, his um, stick, his walking stick or staff, if you prefer, um, and um, the Ten Commandments. That's all that was originally put inside of the Ark of the Covenant. So there's a place prepared for it now that Solomon is setting up. Verse 20, the inner sanctuary was 20 cubits long, 20 cubits wide, and 20 cubits high. He overlaid it with pure gold and overlaid the altar of cedar. So now you can imagine that an area like a cube has been set up for um, the uh, Holy of Holies, the, um, the inner sanctuary um, behind the open part for uh, other people, for everyone else to have access to. Verse 21, so Solomon overlaid the inside of the temple with pure gold. He stretched gold chains 
across the front of the inner sanctuary and overlay it with gold. So now you see where things are getting um, gilded. They're putting gold all over the stuff to um, um, you know, mark it for the temple. Verse 22, the whole temple he overlaid with gold until he had finished all the temple. Also, he overlaid with gold the entire altar that was by the inner sanctuary. So everything is getting coated with gold. Verse 23, inside the inner sanctuary, he made two cherubim of olive wood, each 10 cubits high. So now he's making um, um, likenesses of angels. That's what the cherubim are. Um, uh, and he's made them of wood and put them, um, and they're very tall, 10 cubits high, um, and in the sanctuary, also in the inner sanctuary. Um, uh, we'll get into that later, maybe. Let's see, verse 24. One wing of the cherub was five cubits, and the other wing of the cherub, five cubits, ten cubits, from the tip of one wing to the tip of the other. So uh, here now, it's saying that those angels, basically as we call them, cherubim, angels, are um, um, the, the images of them, the statues of them, the likenesses of them, have been set up with their wings uh, extending. So that right there contradicts what some Bible thumpers will be preaching and teaching to you that angels didn't have wings. We just read there, the cherubim, which are the angels, have wings. Um, and yet Bible thumping preachers We'll tell you, no, they didn't have wings. And they'll say, no, they didn't have wings, even though we read again and again and again that they did have wings. And people who saw them said that they specifically had wings. From Genesis to Revelation, angels get mentioned throughout. And sometimes they're called cherubim. Sometimes they're called seraphim. Um, but each time they're still referring to the angels. And many times they refer to them having wings. And some of the preachers will write it off and say, oh, no, they just mean because they're flying. Well, then they could just say they're flying without saying they have wings, but they specifically mention they have wings, even laying out the length of the wings created uh, for the carved cherubim that are being set up in the sanctuary. Why would they do that if it's not to uh, mimic what they've seen or at least thought of as the actual angels if they didn't actually have wings? Verse 25, and the other cherub was 10 cubits, both cherubim, or of the same size and shape. So now we have singular cherub is um, one angel, basically. Cherubim refers to plural cherubs, um, and both having wings, and both spread out over the, um, uh, well, I'm sure we'll get to it, but it's the same way it seems that they're creating it in a similar design as the ark that, they, that was created there. Ark of the Covenant, and then on top of it, they put um, a seat considered to be the mercy seat, um, representing the place where God would meet with Moses, for instance, and covering that seat, shrouding that seat, were two angels on each side, or it was an angel on each side with their wings spread out, and the wings would cover, hide the mercy seat, so um, that you wouldn't see who's sitting on it. You wouldn't see when God would appear there, but they'd hear the voices coming from the seat, um, at least the way it reads, from my understanding of how it reads. 
So now we're getting an idea of what's being set up here. It's basically a life-size version of the um, what's on the covenant, what's on the uh, Ark of the Covenant. The angels with the mercy seat and the angels' wings spread out, hiding it, hiding who's sitting on the mercy seat. Verse 26, height of one cherub was 10 cubits, and so was the other cherub. So the um, cherubs are matching on each end, like bookends. Verse 27, then he set the cherubim inside the inner room, and they stretched out the wings of the cherubim so that the wing of one touched one wall and the wing of the other touched the other wall, and their wings touched each other in the middle of the room. So they're just that large that they're spreading out their wings, and their wings um, are touching each other, again, hiding the seat that is in front of us, uh, that they're concealing the seat between them, but also their wings are also large enough that they extend from one end of the room to the other. Verse 26, also he overlaid the cherubim with gold. So plenty of gold apparently to spare, to go all over the temple, go over the, the angel, the cherubim, all sorts of things inlaid, gilded with gold. Verse 29, I guess gilded with gold is redundant. Uh, then he carved all the walls of the temple all around, both the inner and outer sanctuaries with carved figures of cherubim palm trees and open flowers so it says he did it but it's not i don't believe you're saying that solomon actually went around himself and one by one did all of these things instead he's ordered all these things to be done and the designs of these things to be created this way including the um uh carved images of the angel of the cherubim and the different palm trees and so forth throughout the temple in the woodworking verse 30 and the floor of the temple he overlaid with gold, both the inner and outer sanctuaries. So even the floors are having gold on them. Verse 31, for the entrance to the inner sanctuary, he made doors of olive wood, the lintel and doorposts were one-fifth of the wall. So the lintel is basically the top of the door that goes across the top of the door. Um, and, um, and, um, it's basically letting us know here the type of wood that's being used for these different parts of the temple, in this case, olive wood from the olive tree. Verse 32, the two doors were of olive wood and he carved on them figures of cherubim, palm trees, and open flowers and overlaid them with gold and he spread gold on the cherubim and on the palm trees. So again, more design details and all being gilded. Verse 33. So for the door of the sanctuary, he also made doorposts of olive wood, one fourth of the wall. So really tall doors um, to go into um, into the sanctuary also. Verse 34. And the two doors were of cypress wood. Two panels comprised one folding door and two panels composed comprised, excuse me, the other folding doors. So um, now these doors are cypress wood, not olive wood, and they're sort of folding doors. It makes me think of like a dressing room um, where you'd have those uh, collapsible doors, um, expandable collapsible doors. Verse 35, then he carved cherubim, palm trees, and open flowers on them 
and overlay them with gold applied evenly on the card's work. So again, even those doors are being gilded and layered with gold. Verse 36, and he built the inner court with three rows of hewn stone and a row of cedar beams. So now inside the um, inner area of the sanctuary, he's got beams and these are cedar wood. So three different types of wood just now, olive, cedar, and cypress. Verse 36, in the fourth year, the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid in the month of Ziv. So almost uh, to the date, four years later, um, the foundation was laid uh, for the house of the Lord. Um, so and remember, we read in our previous chapter where all of this wood is coming from. It's coming from an agreement that Solomon laid out with their neighbors. The neighbors that just recently got hit with a humongous earthquake uh, in the area of Syria and Turkey. Um, well, not quite that far north, but so the Sidonians and um, the people of Tyre, they um, are the ones who agreed to, um, to um, in the contract, to supply the wood for the building of the temple with for Solomon and he in exchange um, supplied them with food. That was the agreement. Um, let's see, verse 37. In the fourth year, the foundation house of the Lord was laid in the month of Ziv. Sorry, we read that. Verse 38. And in the eleventh year, in the month of Bull, which is the eighth month, the house was finished in all its details and according to all its plans. So he was seven years in building it. So it took um, 11 years total um, for the house and the, um, and the um, I'm sorry, for the sanctuary and the foundation to be done. Um, and it took eight years inside of those seven, presumably, um, seven years, excuse me, um, to make, this doesn't make sense. Um, didn't it just tell us? Oh, it was the 11th year. Dang. Oh, maybe it means the 11th year from when um, they started. In the fourth year, the foundation of the house was laid. And in the 11th year, the month of bull. Okay, so it's saying four years after, I guess, from that point where it started counting after, from their time after the Exodus. Remember, we read it earlier. It was like 400 some years after then it mentioned and then it's saying i guess from that point is where it's talking about this fourth year in verse 37th and now in the 11th year after that so from that fourth year to the 11th year total of seven years is what was used by solomon to build the sanctuary hopefully i didn't make that too confusing it kind of confused me a little but the point being solomon has completed the sanctuary. He's fulfilled um, the um, the uh, agreement that he had with his father David when he was alive that he should be the one to build the sanctuary. So now mm -hmm. he's built it. Uh, that was the last verse, though. So that's where we'll end this chapter and this reading. I mean, that's where this chapter ends. So that's where we'll end this reading. Thank you for joining me for The Naked Truth. I hope it's a blessing to you, and I hope you'll join me again. I love you. Stay safe. And I'll see you next time. And God help those people. Pray for them if you can, or if you will. People affected by natural disasters. It's not the first time people have been affected 
by earthquakes and tornadoes and hurricanes and such uh, is just one of the most recent times and one of the worst times um, if you think back when the tsunamis hit um, Japan right, and Indonesia, hundreds of thousands of people were wiped out then. Um, in this case, so far, it's up to just over 10,000, closer to 12 last I saw, but it's almost certainly going to be at least twice that once they, uh, once it's all said and done. Um, stay safe. See you next time. Peace be with you.